cannabis 2.0 essentially the cannabis edible products right so when initially cannabis got ca- uh, legalized it was not into edibles so okay. when the when they legalized the edible part of the cannabis products they they brought in cannabis 2.0 regulations and then they you know they redefined how tax excise taxes are going to be calculated for uh, cannabis 2.0 which is essentially the edible part Growing a business requires a holistic approach that extends beyond sales and marketing. This approach needs alignment among people, processes, and technologies. So if you're a business owner, operations, or finance leader looking to learn growth strategies from your peers and competitors, you're tuned into the right podcast. Welcome to the WBS Podcast, where scalable growth using business systems is our number one priority. Now... Here is your host, Sam Gupta. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the WBS Podcast. I'm Sam Gupta, your host and principal consultant at independent ERP and digital transformation consulting firm Elevate IQ. Cannabis is a unique industry. You have significant reporting requirements that are ever-changing and the priorities may change overnight due to the investment risks associated. Also, you run the risk of losing your license if you cannot comply with the requirements. For these reasons, the unsettling nature of ever-changing requirements may make planning for ERP implementations increasingly difficult. But are there unique reporting and audit challenges in Canada? Or is cannabis equally challenging everywhere? In today's episode, our guest, Abu Asif shares his insights into the processes of cannabis businesses in Canada. He also provides his insights into different business models in the cannabis industry and how cannabis 2.0 differs from 1.0. Finally, he shares his insights into how the unique reporting requirements drive the ERP complexity for the cannabis industry and why the Canadian industry is different from the US. Let me introduce Abu to you. Abu has 13 years of experience with business transformation, ERP implementation, and business integration of SAP and Sage X3 products at mid to large size companies. His industry experience includes energy and utilities, gaming, retail, and the high-tech manufacturing sector. With that, Let's get to the conversation. Hey, Abu. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Sam. How are you doing today? I am doing wonderful and I am so excited to have you because the kind of depth that you have in the agriculture industry as well as the cannabis industry, obviously, it's very unique insight. It's going to be so fascinating for our listeners. Just to kick things off, do you want to start with your personal story and your current focus? Sure. Uh, I mean, thanks for having me here. And uh, so... You know, I founded my company about uh, 12 years ago. I used to work for PricewaterhouseCoopers yeah. uh, here in Alberta, and I saw a need for you know mid-sized companies uh, having a need for business process efficiencies and automation. So I founded, you know, re- recognizing that need, I started my own company, and since then we have grown, you know, to servicing clients all over North America, uh, cool. with some in uh, Europe uh, and the Middle East as well. So we specialize in the Sage X3 ERP software. Uh, that's the only software that we sell. 
And, you know, we specialize in the food and beverage industry, cannabis industry, uh, specifically in the cannabis extraction and retail industry, and in general, manufacturing and distribution industries. Okay, very cool. So it's going to be so much fun to dig into all of those uh, industries, as well as the stories. Now, uh, you know, we have one of the standard questions that we ask before we dig into all of that. And that is going to Mm -hmm. be your perspective on business growth. Exactly. So uh, today's topic is about uh, cannabis extraction, right? So I'll focus my perspective on that particular yeah. sector. So cannabis, you know, industry has gone a lot of turmoil. Uh, you know, it, it flew off, you know, when it first became legalized and then, you know, it faced the headways and challenges of any regular industry. So one of the key things, you know, which an executive needs to keep a handle on is cost, right? If you're a CFO, uh, you know, cost is probably the number one factor which you need to ha- have a handle on. It's true for all industries, but especially true for the cannabis because, you know, Raising funds is not as easy as it was a few years ago. So all the systems and the processes that you have in place must be capturing those costs accurately so that you can make those informed uh, decision making. I completely agree. And I think the cost is going to be super important, especially uh, mm-hmm. for the industries as critical as cannabis. For them, mm-hmm. the cost is definitely a driver. It could be a strategic driver depending upon how you treat it. So thank you so mm-hmm. much for that. So now we are going to dig into the cannabis extraction process because that's what we are going to talk about, right? So maybe mm-hmm. describe for people, let's say they are not really from the cannabis industry and they are looking to know how this industry is going to be different how the manufacturing process is going to be different in case of cannabis extraction process and which are the companies that really care for this process describe the the overarching ecosystem where it fits in the business model so those two or three things number one the ecosystem where it is part of mm-hmm. and number two how the business processes from end to end so cannabis has three main sectors you know so one you have the cultivation which is a more of a pure agriculture where you're growing the cannabis yeah then you are extracting cannabis to make, uh, you know, oils and vape products. Yeah. And that comes in the, you know, in the middle layer, which is the extraction companies or the processing companies. And then you actually have to sell that cannabis product to the end consumer, which is, yeah. you know, become your retail. Yeah. One of one of the key. So the the cultivated a lot of companies out there are also vertically integrated now. Yeah. Um, you know, they'll own their own processing and raw facilities. There are some legal issues in different provinces which prevent a 100% complete vertical integration, but yeah. these are the three main key sectors. So what happens is they grow, they grow the cannabis and then they will send it to a processing plant. So the processing plant will generally grade the cannabis based on quality. Yeah. Uh, they will convert it into extracts. And then, you know, depending on what kind of finished products they are making, they will use those extracts and make those finished products such as waves, oils, etc. Yeah. And then they get sold to the... Uh, the provincial agencies like the AGLC, and then they do, and then it's sold out to the retailers. Okay. So the ecosystem is, you know, it's similar to what would be like for an, you know, for liquor sales. Yeah. So you can't buy direct from the uh, cannabis company. You have to go through the uh, provincial uh, liquor and AGLC boards, etc., to buy it. So the key difference, uh, you know, it's very similar to a, you know, a food and beverage industry. Yeah. And pharmaceutical combined. Right. So the main complexities come into play because it's a controlled substance. Yeah. And there are some very stringent reporting requirements to Health Canada and to the CRA along the process. So you have to report how much you have received, how much you wasted. Like each step has to be tracked and reported on a monthly basis. And that's where the difficulty comes in in the cannabis business. 
very cool so obviously there are very many layers to this discussion and we are going to take one layer uh, at a time obviously the reporting mm-hmm. requirement is going to be in a lot of uh, industries and mm-hmm. in this particular case obviously that's going to be very involved but since you draw the mm-hmm. parallel of this with the liquor industry and uh, mm-hmm. you know in my experience we have done one episode mm-hmm. with the the liquor industry and you know obviously it's very unique the way their mm-hmm. processes are they don't necessarily follow the the way the erp processes are set up i'll tell you the differences mm-hmm. that i observed in that episode and what i came to know from the mm-hmm. uh, canadian regulation perspective so one of the mm-hmm. biggest difference that they have is typically in the traditional uh, you know food retailer or beverage retailer then you are actually going to be keeping your inventory in your warehouse you are the owner mm-hmm. of that you are going to be selling to your customer in case of liquor that's not the case okay so you mm-hmm. need you are basically responsible for the commercial aspect of getting the the supplier you are also responsible for acquiring the customer you are also responsible for forecasting but as such mm-hmm. you don't keep the inventory when you are going mm-hmm. to receive the inventory that actually goes in the lco warehouse lcbo mm-hmm. is going to have control until you tell them which customer is going to buy that inventory so you need to have the name printed so obviously from the erp perspective you don't have the traditional sales and purchase order process because everything is sitting in their inventory you don't really have mm-hmm. the the account of anything so is this similar arrangement in case of cannabis as well or is it different so it's a you know it's similar in some ways so so you still have that central buying for, for example here in alberta you have to go through aglc yeah. uh, to buy uh, cannabis uh but when you place the order you know it's based on your own demand planning you know so yeah. you're looking at your own system and seeing you know how much of product certain product you're selling yeah. and then you're creating a purchase order directly to the AGLC okay and then they send you the product at your retail location so you do not have a central warehouse where you can ship that product to you know if you have 40 different retail locations you're not going to ship it out to those 40 different locations from your central warehouse right so that's where the AGLC comes in the AGLC yeah. is going to ship that product when you place a purchase order for them so uh, so depending on where in the vertical you stand that's you know that's how it operates yeah very cool so this is definitely different i mean the uh, you know especially in canada the alcohol distribution is far more complex than your cannabis mm-hmm. because in case of mm-hmm. cannabis you are still going through your retail process where you have the dispensaries that are actually mm-hmm. trying to sell to end consumers but in case of alcohol mm-hmm. in canada and in ontario i'm pretty sure that's the same in alberta as well because canada mm-hmm. follows the same rule you don't really have the retail locations for your alcohol you have to go through lcbo and those are L- mm-hmm. lcbo controlled stores and the inventory and they have the complete separation for the lcbo inventory versus the the vendor owned inventory and you know once mm-hmm. you actually secure your restaurants or b2b customers that you are trying to sell to they are going mm-hmm. to release the inventory once you have the the order placed with the customer right. so yeah so the business process in my opinion is going to be same do you agree with this assessment or or not a similar yeah i mean there's some similarities and some differences yeah so i mean so you're still you're ordering from the central body and they're shipping to your retail location right so that is for the uh, you know for the end end consumer right 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 and this situation could very well happen let's say if you are working in your retail supply chain you are buying yeah. from your distributor you are placing the po uh, you know distributor yeah. is trying to release but since you are buying from the government body in this particular case yeah. you are going to have far stronger regulatory requirements but as such you mm-hmm. are still placing a po and buying from the distributor yeah. and you can sell however you like yeah. 
uh, as such, the government is not going to have control on that, right? I mean, there's other control on, you know, how much cannabis you can sell to a particular consumer, you know, their transportation mm-hmm. requirements, their storage requirements. Okay. So, so you still have to track and fulfill those from, a, from an end consumer perspective. So who typically right? dictates so, these requirements? So let's say if you talk about the uh, limitations for the consumer, are retailers mm-hmm. responsible to control how much it is sold for the end consumer? They are supposed to take the identity. They are supposed to record the identity. And then where do they report? So they are supposed to record to, uh, the identity and, uh, you know, the retail systems are designed in a way to capture that. Okay. And, they, you know, they report it to various government authorities, uh, such as Health Canada. Uh, they can be audited for it okay. and, uh, you know, as well as their local boards. Okay. Do you have any requirements at the extraction level as well, or are these applicable only for the retailers? Extraction levels have one of the most complex requirements, Okay. Um, you know. And it's, I mean, also true for the cultivation side. So you have to, you know, basically report each step of the process, right? So okay. it is so detailed that, you know, you have to report how much, you know, if you're doing a grinding operation, for example, okay. right? You have to report how much you lost during the grinding operation. Okay. You have to report how much you lost during the extraction operation. So if okay. you have a cannabis and you dropped it and you can no longer use it uh, in your production process, you have to report that as well. So it's a very detailed reporting across each step of the manufacturing process uh, for cannabis extraction. So even things like how much moisture loss did you have? So you have to report that as well, right? So that brings a lot of complexity into that process. So very interesting. So in this particular case, obviously, you know, as we were speaking yesterday as well, related to the challenges in the food industry. So obviously I get the idea that, you know, what you need to report everything. But in a way, Mm -hmm. let's say if you are reporting the moisture loss, you know, you have Mm -hmm. a lot of leeway as well, because who can predict how much moisture it is going to have and how much you Mm -hmm. can lose, right? So what you could do is since you have to, you know, report everything. And let's say if I lose a little bit of cannabis or I sell it to somebody, then, Mm -hmm. you know, I can report it as the moisture loss because that's very hard to predict that, right? Is that possible, Mm -hmm. not possible? I think there uh, there are some reasonable parameters around it, right? If you're saying you lost half of your cannabis because of moisture loss, obviously it's going to get caught, right? So I think it's it's a you know two to three percent. I think is the is the parameter around it. Uh, they're also you know you report it every month to Health Canada. Okay. So you know so they're doing their own analysis in the background, right? They're looking at companies' data and saying you know who's reporting more moisture loss, for example, right? So if you yeah. fall outside those certain parameters. I'm sure they'll come for an audit very quickly. Um, so it is audited quite a bit. You know, um, Health Canada will come in and audit your facility regularly. So you really have to be on your toes to make sure that you're reporting correctly. And if you make a mistake in those reporting process consistently, they can cancel your license. So which can become, you know, get a business becomes a huge problem for you. Very interesting. And are these vendors supposed to report as well? Because my assumption here is going to be you have the end-to-end traceability. Um, You know, they Mm -hmm. are going to be looking at how much vendor is actually trying to report where you uh, originally actually got the cannabis. So in this particular case, Mm -hmm. I guess this is going to be either the cultivator or the grower uh, that is going to be selling you this. And then you are trying to process that and you are trying to report at each step of the process. And then Health Canada is going to go and they are going to verify, okay, you bought from this vendor. This is how much you what this is how much you reported as a result then okay what is the end result and are these numbers adding up if they are not adding up then i need to go and and audit you is that fair assumption so so you have to report how much you're purchasing you know you have to report how much you're purchasing in canada and outside of canada yeah Uh, you have to uh, report how much you sold but right now the reporting requirement is not by vendor 
right? So they are essentially purpose of the entire reporting requirements to make sure, you know, what's entering your facility yeah. and there's no illegal activity happening in the middle, right? So that's why there are those stringent tracking requirements, uh, which makes it difficult uh, to lose cannabis, I would say. So you have, so it's not at a vendor or a customer level yet. So now we are going to try to design this process in the ERP. And obviously, you know, mm-hmm. ERP has a lot of robust reporting. So now let's say yeah. if I have the plain vanilla ERP process and mm-hmm. uh, I am trying to map this out in the ERP system, obviously, if you are going to have multiple operations, if you are simply reporting the loss, it's not a big deal, right? I mean, you can probably map out mm-hmm. in any uh, ERP system. So what challenges have you seen that are going to be unique to this specific industry where your vanilla ERP is going to fail? So there are two main, um, you know, kind of systems that people use. So one are point systems, you know, yep. so they, they'll be specializing in just managing the cannabis operation. So whether yep. it's cultivation or extraction, they just focus towards that particular aspect. So the disadvantage with those systems is they're not tracking your cost. Okay. Right. So, so you still have software, you know, like QuickBooks or something where you're tracking your financial and then you have point solutions where you're tracking your you know, your kind of inventory and your processes. So the CPLS and the C, and the spe- specifically the B300 CRA report, they require you also to report on costs. Okay. Um, so so that's where, you know, this kind of system would fail since it's not integrated. The accountant just spend a lot of time trying to map the production and the extraction data with their financial system data and trying to figure out, you know, how much excise tax to pay, how much cost and sales reporting we have to do to the CRA. That becomes complicated. A traditional ERP, you know, where you have costing and uh, manufacturing processes integrating, will yeah. fail on you know two or three things, right? So one is the Health Canada reporting. Okay. You know, systems are not designed to capture that step by step process for Health Canada reporting. So, for example, you are grind, you are you know, cannabis comes in, and you have to grade cannabis. Okay. You know, you're grading it A, B, or C. Yeah. A typical ERP, what they would do is they would create a work order for grading the cannabis. And, but the complexity comes in from a Health Canada reporting perspective, it's still the same class of cannabis. Right. Right. So a typical, in a typical ERP system, you have to have a raw material and it produces a new product code for a finished good. Right. right. So the finished good may be a higher quality cannabis raw, uh, feedstock, but how do you now report it? Right. So. So that process, defining the boundaries around that process, how it's going to be reported to Health Canada, because it's the same class of cannabis, becomes you know challenging and a little bit difficult for traditional ERP systems. Very interesting. So now we are going to do a little bit of workshop and the case study here. Okay. So here, mm-hmm. what we are going to do, let's say if I am buying a vanilla ERP, and in this particular mm-hmm. case, obviously I need to grade my product. So the way it sounds like is I need to have some sort of categorization uh, at the cannabis mm-hmm. level. So in this particular case, I have the SKU, and the SKU has three different grades. So basically, mm-hmm. you know, let's say if I have a field that could tell me that you know what grade one, grade two, grade three, is that going to be enough? If it is not going to be enough, what are going to be the challenges? So it's it's not so it is. I mean, so you do it at a field level, but now that class of cannabis is getting consumed um, into further, you know, down the extraction process. So, in a what a typical ERP would do is, you know, it will look at it as a plus and minus, right? right? So you're consuming the same uh, grade of cannabis and you're producing the same. If you just simply use the fields to capture it. 
it's not, you know, it's a plus and minus transaction, right? So you have right. to build more granularity into that process. Uh, you know, at the bill of material level, you have to define uh, also that, you know, is this kind of transaction reportable to Health Canada or not, for example, right? So you have to go down to that level of detail. Uh, you know, as you go along the process, so you're going to be using cannabis feedstock to produce a concentrate, a pure intermediate, for example. Yeah. So you have to report how much feedstock was used in pure intermediate and then further on how much pure intermediate was used to make finished cannabis extract, for example. So you have to track all those processes along the way and then report it uh, to, the, to the health Canada, and, you know, in some aspects to the uh, CRA for uh, tax calculation purpose as well. Very cool. So let's, we are going to do some more walkthrough of this process, the one that you described that, you know what, if you are going to do at the field level, then let's say if you need to change the grade in between the process, I think you are changing the grade in between the process as well. Your field level is not going to be sufficient because, you know, whatever you are getting in, let's say if you're getting grade A as the input, your grade A is going to be the output. So are there any scenarios in which the grade actually changes? as the cannabis is going through the process? So the grade is at the feedstock level. So once you, you know, once you're consuming the grade, uh, you know, it's the grade that you're using, then you're using it to produce a concentrate or a finished good, for example. Right. Um, so the things that can change is the THC percentage, for example, right? Okay. So that's a key reporting feature uh, in the cannabis. Um, so what happens is, you know, when you create a concentrate or you do creating a finished product, you have to calculate, you know, your own lab has to calculate a THC percentage, and then you have to send that sample out to an approved third-party lab to verify the THC percentage. So that process also has its own complexity. Then you even have to report how much was sent to a third-party lab for, you know, for testing purpose, for example, right? So you even have to track those transactions as well. So that's where all the complexity comes in, right? So now you have a THC percentage, you have bulk cannabis, which has a particular THC percentage. Now you can pack it uh, into different uh, kind of packaging, right? Five gram, hundred grams, waves, etc. Yeah. Uh, and then, but the raw material, so the THC percentage is the same now, right? So, okay. uh, but it's a manufacturing process in a typical ERP. So how do you keep track that THC percentage throughout the manufacturing process to, you know, reduce workload for the user? That's where the complexity comes in. Very cool. So I'm pretty sure my, uh, you know, listeners would need a little bit more details because obviously the process is very complex, right? Uh, so mm -hmm, right. I am probably going to need some more details as well uh, in terms of mm -hmm. how the process is flowing. So overall from mm -hmm. the, maybe, uh, you know, talk about uh, different SKUs and maybe take some examples of the finished products as well. You know, how the packaging is structured and how that flows through the production mm -hmm. process and how each of these percentages are calculated in the sampling process. In, in this particular case, you have the testing process as part of, and that's probably going to be as part of your bomb when you are sending mm -hmm. for the test. I don't know if each product is going to be sent or it's going to be just the sample. And I don't know if you mm -hmm. block the process until the results are going to be back. So do you want to uh, paint some more colors there? Sure. So, I mean, from a high level, you know, you, you're getting raw cannabis in your door. You yeah. know, so you, you're great. So, for example, you're grading it. Uh, so you, you're undergoing that process. Yeah. Then it's going to, you know, you're going to extract the uh, cannabis components, uh, yeah. which, and you create those pure intermediates in the concentrate form. Yeah. Um, so when you're, you're consuming raw material, what you have to report is, you know, moisture loss when you're using it. You have to report you know, how much wastage happened at the machinery level. Yeah. Uh, how much other wastage, like spillage, things like that, uh, which happen. Once you have the concentrate, you know, it can either 
you know, depending on your, uh, you know, demand and supply chain, you can run the process to have the concentrate available when there's demand for the finished goods, right? So now you have to also report how much quantity you have of those intermediates in stocks, the concentrates in stock. And then what you do is, uh, you know, you, you put that, you take those intermediates and create a finished goods, uh, uh, for example, so for a, in bulk form. Okay. So once you have those cannabis in bulk forms, uh, you know, you, you know, again, you go through that entire uh, manufacturing process. And then at that stage, you calculate the THC component, for example, right? The THC percentage. Yeah. And, and you get it verified by a third party lab. So unless that verification comes in, you cannot sell that product uh, to the end consumer. And then, you know, what you have, your system should have the ability to keep a lock on that product so that you cannot sell it to other customers. So once you have it in bulk product, then you are going to, you know, do like smaller packages of that product. So another complexity comes here are the excise stamps. Yeah. So the government will issue excise stamps based on the province you're selling it to. And it requires you to keep a very strict inventory of those uh, excise stamps. Okay. So now you again have to go through a packaging work order process Yeah. to say, you know, how much you sold it to Alberta, for example, how much you are selling it to Saskatchewan, yeah. uh, for example. And then you actually ship the product out from your uh, warehouse. The other thing is you're not, you don't know when, you know, where the product is going, right? So it's sitting there in package form. Yeah. But, you know, you can sell it to Alberta at the last moment or Saskatchewan or whatever, right? So that adds another, since you have to put an excise stamp on it, yeah. it become, makes it more complex to, you know, to manage that inventory piece from a demand and supply perspective. Okay, so that's very interesting. So I definitely need some more details about the excise stamp, you know, how that is going to work. So obviously in this particular mm -hmm. case, I'm pretty sure you are going to have some sort of lot traceability. I don't know if you have the lot traceability as part of the mm -hmm. process or not, yeah. uh, you know, and I am looking for some sort of correlation what is going to be the correlation of the lots to your to your stamps? Because stamps are actually going to be part of your uh, production process because they are per state. So I don't know if the production processes are going to be segmented per state, but the stamps are going to be. So most likely they are going to probably have different bombs uh, inside the ERP system. So do you want to paint some more colors in the process? The sure. correlation. Yeah. yeah. So so the. Um... So, the, so there are two kinds of bomb. One is the finished good bomb, and yeah. then there's a bomb for finished good with excise stamps. Okay. So, so your so the finished good is sitting in your warehouse. Yeah. And now, when you know, for example, you have to sell it to AGLC, you'll take that finished good, put an excise stamp on it, okay. and then sell it to the AGLC. The other complexity that comes into play here is the excise tax rates are different by the product class. Okay. And by uh, by the weight and where you're selling that product to, right? Okay. So. If you're selling to Alberta, it's a different, you know, different tax, uh, excise tax will apply. Um, so for cannabis 2.0, the way that excise taxes are calculated are different. And for the cannabis 1.0 world, you know, which is the EDN 55 standard, the taxes are calculated a bit differently. So that again brings in, you know, you have to make sure you're calculating the excise tax correctly based on the THC percentages. And that's where the lot traceability comes into play. So when you're okay. selling the product, you have to know the, because the THC percentage is calculated at a lot level, right? So when you're shipping it out to your end customer, if you don't know the lot, yeah, if you don't know the THC percentage, then you cannot calculate those excise tax properly, right? And then the THC percentage also vary, right? So if you're saying you're creating a product with, you know, 8.6% THC, yeah. you're not always going to hit that 8.6, right? It can be 8.7, it can be 8.5, right? So it's not, 
you cannot assume at that selling process that this is going to be a THC percentage. They have to build, you know, you have to do that quality assurance tracking and track it at that point to the lot to calculate the excise taxes. Very cool. So one of the terms that you mentioned during your conversation is going to be the cannabis 2.0 and 1.0. So my listeners are definitely going to need some help here. So what is the difference between 2.0? Are these regulations? Uh, Are these standards? Do you want to talk a little bit about that? So cannabis 2.0 are essentially the cannabis edible products, right? So when initially cannabis got uh, legalized, it was not into edibles. So when when they legalized the edible part of the cannabis products, they they brought in cannabis 2.0 regulations. And then they, you know, they redefined how tax, excise taxes are going to be calculated for uh, cannabis 2.0, so which is essentially the edible products. So that's at a very high level uh, difference between the two. Okay, amazing. So one of the comments that you mentioned during your conversation is that, you know, some of the businesses are going to be just the extraction facilities, then the other ones Mm -hmm. are going to be the cultivators, but in some cases, they are going to be the vertically integrated, right? So Mm -hmm. if they are going to be vertically integrated, you also mentioned that they are probably going to have a lot of challenges, especially if they are using some of these point solutions. So from the business model Mm -hmm. perspective, let's say if I am vertically integrated, and I'm the grower, uh, as well as the extractor as well. So what mm-hmm. are different requirements from the reporting perspective? Are the reporting requirements going to be similar for the extractor versus the grower? Are the reporting requirements different? Is the manufacturing process different? But I can almost guarantee that the form accounting is going to be very different as well for the cultivators, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the challenge is not necessarily because of vertical integrated. You know, a lot of extractors these days they are using point systems and a different financial system as well, right? Okay. So, and similar with cultivators as well. So as long as you have two different systems tracking your inventory processes and yeah. your financial processes, you're going to run into trouble. Uh, a lot of people go that route because it becomes, it's a cheaper system to implement, you know, and they're looking for short-term cost cuts. But as soon as you grow, you know, it becomes, you need an army of accountants just to track those data. And there's a significant risk involved because, uh, you know, if you continue to report incorrect data, Health Canada and CRA, they can come and audit you and they can ca- cancel your cannabis uh, sales license and your, you know, the Health Canada license as well. Um, so that's where the risk comes in. Um, you know, you're right that the farm, you know, the, the reporting requirements are similar uh, from a Health Canada perspective that you have to report the class of cannabis. Uh, so for example, if you're a cultivator, you also have to report the seeds, Yeah. Um, you know, uh, in the cannabis, if you're an extractor, you don't have to report that. So in that way, you know, there's a differences in the class of cannabis that are reporting, but you know, obviously the accounting impacts and all of that—that's a whole, you know, different, uh, you know, ball game compared to a cultivator and uh, an extractor. Okay, so let's talk about some of these stories, uh, the implementation stories that you have seen, and I am looking for the interesting stories where let's say, you know, you try to implement the ERP, but the customer was not really listening. Uh, You know, you did everything that you could do in your power, but implementation did not go as well. Because as we know, ERP implementations, there are a lot of different moving pieces involved. You need alignment of Mm -hmm. the business model. Uh, You need, uh, you know, strategic alignment from the leadership perspective Mm -hmm. as well. So in your experience, Mm -hmm. when you did any of the implementation so far in the cannabis space, uh, Mm -hmm. did you run into any challenges? And what were those challenges? So describe that story. Sure. I mean, so cannabis world, you know, has some unique... um... You know, challenges. So when it, it was initially in the process of getting legalized, yeah, um, and soon after, 
you know, there's a lot of money flowing into the cannabis world. Uh, you know, every company was raising huge amount of money. There are companies which had, you know, valuations more than $10 billion, right? Yeah. And they're not selling a lot. But what that created was they had so much money that they just wanted best of class in everything. You know, yeah. they wanted the best of class systems. They yeah. wanted best of class processes. And, you know, we would just spend hours and hours and hours, you know, trying to design the best possible process, right? Where you could have, you know, taken, you know, two hours to design a process, you spend 10 hours designing a process, right? Yeah. Because the money was there to spend on it, right? Yeah. And then suddenly the crash happened, right? <laughs> yeah. So they, they are no longer raising money. The stock valuations, you know, from the billions of dollars came, you know, into the millions of dollars, uh, you know, and now suddenly from day one, you know, you have this, huge amount of money flowing into now an absolute, you know, cut down on the spend, right? So now they wanted to do the same process in, you know, half an hour, <laughs> right? <laughs> so that created a lot of challenges uh, from an implementation perspective, right? So, yeah. um, you know, suddenly the cost expectation became very different. The support cost became very different. But you have spent so much money on customizing the processes exactly what you need to now being very cost conscious, right? So you can't have the two running together, right? So that created a lot of uh, friction, you know, uh, in the costing side of the world for, for the implementation. Um, the other thing, challenge that I've seen um, in our cannabis sector is there's a lot of turnover on the management side of things. You okay. know, if you, tr you know, the CFOs and the CEOs, especially in the mid-size sector, they change quite frequently. Uh, you know, I've yet to see a cannabis client where a C-level executive is more than a year. You know, typically it's like 18 months would be the max that we, yeah. we have seen, um, you know, a C-level executive stay around. So the challenge that brings in is um, you design, you go in implementing with certain ideas and certain things in mind, right? Certain yeah. bases and that when the C-level changes, those expectation changes, right? So it's like, why is this process working this way? You know, it's because the previous CEO or the previous CFO or the previous VP ops wanted it designed this way, right? Yeah. So that makes it difficult uh, to work with the end customers, uh, you know, making sure everything's still aligned and they still have faith in the ERP system to deliver on the results that they need. Okay, very interesting. So are you guys doing work only in Canadian market or also in the US market? Do you um, understand the differences between the in the U.S. market versus the Canadian market, are the reporting requirements going to be different? Uh, is the the way the processing is done is going to be different, or is it similar? So, uh, so we predominantly do work in the uh, Canadian market. Uh, we we are thinking of you know expanding the U.S. market, but one of the key difference um, is that it's federally uh, legal here in Canada, yeah, right, and it's federally still not legal uh, over in the United States. So what that has meant is, you know, you have over 50 states, they have all developed their own reporting requirements. You know, there are not many national companies, you know, like you have, you know, all across Canada, uh, you know, companies here in Canada, you don't have the same uh, kind of breadth over there in the US, right? They're more state focused. They are more smaller companies uh, operating over there uh, compared to, you know, here in Canada. So those would be the key difference. And then each state has its own requirements. So right now, like it's a Canadian requirements derived from those states. So in some ways they are similar, but they do not have a health, like a federally regulated Health Canada or CRA reporting requirements yet. You know, they may have state requirements, but not at a federal level. 
Okay, very interesting. So I am actually going to go back to your stories where you said that, you know what, you had significant funding and you were trying to design these best in class uh, processes and then you had to cut down mm -hmm. and, you know, you had to accomplish the same goal, uh, let's say mm -hmm. in half an hour, right? Mm -hmm. So now I would like an example of what is best in class uh, for the executives, let's say they don't understand you know, what is going to be the right process, right sized process. Uh, I mean, size is the word that I like to use depending upon mm -hmm. the size of the company, depending upon their ambitions. Now, Western class could be very subjective. Uh, you know, you might be at a stage mm -hmm. where you probably, if you design Western class, that could be mm -hmm. significant overhead. You know, people are not mm -hmm. going to like it because it might feel very bulky. I The mm -hmm. example that I like to use is, Let's say if you want a bicycle as of today, uh, you have a need of the bicycle and then, you know, best, it's, best in class could be a truck, uh, you know, just because it can do a lot. But that does not mean that you should be driving a truck, because if you mm -hmm. drove a truck, then what is going to happen is it's going to feel like a truck. It will never yeah. feel like a bicycle. So mm -hmm. give me an example of what is best in class, uh, you know, in this particular case and how that changed. To that half half an hour process, uh, in my opinion, I think they probably needed that. Once you are mm -hmm. conscious on the budget, then probably you are thinking that you know what, this is what I needed. Uh, rest mm -hmm. all is just unnecessary. Yeah, I think um, so. Initially, there was a you know since the budgets were high, they wanted to automate everything, right? Okay. Uh, uh, so, for example, costing processes. Uh, okay. You know, they would they would be looking to automate. You know, right go right down to the minute detail how to capture those overheads. You know. How are you going to, for example, utility cost? How are you going to build it into uh, into your process? Uh, for for example, if you're in a startup phase, the utility cost per unit is going to be very high compared to when you're in full production stage, where the utility cost gets uh, transferred over a larger volume of product being produced. Yeah. So so things of that sort, you know, they wanted to go into very minute details on you know track those costs very accurately, for example. Uh, and how to transfer that to each lot, you know, so you produce 100, um, you know, let's say kilograms a month uh, in yeah. Jan. So they wanted to factor the production and the overhead fixed cost at a very minute level, you know, utilities, power, you know, water consumption, et cetera, into that lot cost, right? So the, but now when the costs, uh, when the, you know, the money is not flowing as quickly, you know, they go with a simple way. Of saying, okay, you know, we'll have one percent overhead or two percent overhead, right? As a as a simplification method to capture those overhead costs into into the product. So that would be at a higher level. You know, one example where you know the best in class would be to capture everything in very minute detail and build it into at the lot level compared yeah. to you know doing it at a at a fixed percentage level, right? Which is not one hundred percent accurate but still gets the job done to a reasonable level. Very interesting. So typically, if you look at the default DRP process, they are going to have the product costing built as part of the system, right? It is actually going to be capturing all of the costs. So why do you need the cost at the lot level? The cost at the lot level, unless that is required from the reporting perspective, did they need this for any specific reporting or were there any implications that they needed to track at the lot level? So you... You are, if you're a public company, you have to calculate and report on the true cost of the product. Yeah. Um, so, so that's why you need to tra trace it at the lot level, right? So it also allows you to do then a much better profitability analysis, right? You know, if you're selling 
for $5, what's your true cost of the product, right? So otherwise it goes into that overhead category. So it has more to do with the reporting requirements at the stock exchange level and which stock exchange you are operating on. Right? You know, some stock exchanges have higher reporting requirements, others yeah. have less reporting requirements. So that's why, and you know, a lot of these initially, a lot of the accountants and um, you know executives, they had come in from traditional industries, right? So they're, you know, they'll be coming in from larger food and beverage companies, which have been in operation for 30 years, 40 yeah, years, right? Yeah. So, so they are trying to bring in that knowledge and just, you know, implement it on day one into, you know, a new startup in the cannabis world. So, yeah, so that brought its complexities. That's very interesting because personally, even in case of far more regulated industries, for example, pharma, what I have seen is you are going to be doing the PNL at the at the item level. I mean, you are going to have the actual product cost of each of the items. The lot is going mm-hmm. to be slightly more superset of your of your items. You know, it's supposed to be mm-hmm. a group, you know, as the, the lot actually moved through the production floor so that you can have the forward and backward traceability. Typically, lot mm-hmm. is used when you have to trace the material from the quality perspective, from the production perspective, as well as, you know, if you have any sort of recall, um, you need to trace that. But I've never seen, you know, lot to be used financially in the PNL reporting. Uh, I don't know if they are using that in case of cannabis. That's very interesting. No, it should be. It's used in a lot of other industries as well, especially if you're a public reporting company. So what you see is that the, the lot is a level lower than product, right? So if you're they want you to accurately report the product cost. Yeah. So if you're reporting it at a lower level first, then it means you have amalgamated it at a correct level at the product level, right? So it's uh, if your building blocks are correct, that means your end cost is also correct, right? So each lot can be, for example, you're, cal- you're producing a lot and you spend some extra time on that lot for whatever reason, right? Breakage or extra machining time, re- you, know, you have to redo the process, et cetera. So all of that cost should be captured uh, into the lot, right? So also from a management reporting perspective, you want to see how much profits you're making month over month, right? So that profitability can also change depending on the lot cost. Your raw materials can become more expensive, right? So for example, you know, cannabis feedstock, you know, in Jan costs $10 a gram, in February costs $20 a gram, right? So now you want to trace that, you know, when you're selling it, what's the profitability on that product? on that lot that you're selling. So that's why it's done at a lot cost level. Okay, amazing. So that's it for today. Do you have any last minute closing thoughts or remarks for our listeners? So from a cannabis uh, extraction company, you know, if you're a CFO and CEO, you know, cost is always a factor. So we see a lot of people going, you know, let's have a very cost effective financial system and then let's have a very cost effective or a cheaper solution for managing your inventory. But what we have seen is, you know, long term that all this causes a lot of problems in terms of report, accurate reporting to Health Canada. And you spend, you know, end up spending more money long term uh, than what you have if you had put in the right systems in place from day one. So I think it's really important uh, to, uh, to have the system in place so that you can grow and scale quickly when the time comes in, rather than trying to figure out those systems um, at that point in time. So a lot of ERP industry has evolved as well. So for example, like us, you know, we have created those starter solutions where you get a lot of those features, but more in a standard business process way compared to when you are a much bigger company and you want to, you know, really customize those processes according to your needs. So if you take that route from day one, it will be a lot better for you long-term and more cost-effective uh, from a systems perspective. 
Okay, amazing. And my personal takeaway from this conversation is going to be that cannabis is obviously a very involved industry and it's far more regulated and the regulations are changing on a daily basis. So make sure that you have your reporting down if you are going to have manual intervention in the process. Obviously, there is a high risk that, you know, there's a chance that you might lose your license and that's everything, right? So that's why, uh, you know, having at least enough automation so that your reporting is going to be accurate is key for your business. On that note, Abu, I really want to thank you for your time. This has been a powerful episode. Okay. Thank you, Sam. Of course. I cannot thank our guests enough for coming on the show, for sharing their knowledge and journey. I always pick up learnings from our guests and hopefully you learned something new today. If you want to learn more about Abu Asif, head over to pennymanagement.com. Links and more information will also be available in the show notes. If anything in this podcast resonated with you and your business, You might want to check other related episodes, including the interview with Dave Chrysler, who shares his insights into the nuances of the cannabis market and value chain. Also, the interview with Paula Courtney, who shares how companies can take advantage of the customer centricity framework to improve their financial performance. Also, don't forget to subscribe and spread the word among folks with similar backgrounds. If you have any questions or comments about the show, Please review and rate us on your favorite podcasting platform or DM me on any social channels. I'll try my best to respond personally and make sure you get help. Thank you and I hope to catch you on the next episode of the WBS. Thank you for listening to another episode of the WBS Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform so you never miss an episode. For more information on growth strategies for SMBs using ERP and digital transformation, check out our community at wbs.rocks. We'll see you next time.